welcome to Who the Fuck Are Two Monkeys, the podcast where we chat to interesting people about their favourite song from the titular lads from High Green as well as much more. This week I was joined by Aaron Brown, a man who's been a close collaborator of the group since he began working with them as a videographer during the Suck It and See sessions. Following on from that, the group and Aaron have continued to work together on music videos and promotional materials for all their albums since. He took me behind the scenes and creative process of that work, talking through the cinematic influences of AM, the ragtag nature with which he approached the videos in Suck It and See, and exploring dual personalities and locations out with time on his work for Tranquility-based hotel and casino. Beyond that, we touched upon the group's move from the UK to LA, how I Aaron sees their personalities feeding into their music, and the wonder of witnessing a music video coming together in the editing space. But before all of that, he shares his favourite track from the group's sixth album discography. Here's me and Aaron Brown talking all things Art of Monkeys. I think the one I chose, it's kind of, it's kind of has to do with um, Alex's ability to kind of pull off one-liners. So I chose. Uh, that's where you're wrong from suck it and see that whole album really is a kind of testament to what you're saying there with his ability to pull off one-liners you have complete songs mm-hmm. that's where you're on being one of them where it's just every line is like a home run yeah i feel like that aspect of them says more about the band too because when you're around them that's sort of how they exist they're just these sort of jokes that snowball into kind of absurdity but then you kind of when you see the the artwork that they make you see that it's not just sort of for their own satisfaction it's kind of like going somewhere or at least the fun that they have together kind of becomes this something something that's bigger you know so it's kind of and then it gets written out in these one-liners and they're really inspiring and moving and then of course they put music to it or vice versa but i suppose it allows their, their personality to translate quite directly into the music too then yeah yeah it does yeah it's kind of Cause they all do it you know um it's not just al like you know matt's hysterical and nick just is full of one-liners and like sometimes jamie's the funniest of all you know it's it's there's no hierarchy in terms of humor with them but uh they all kind of have their own style you see it through al in the lyrics but it's it's a representation of all of them and i think that's why they're so tight you know in terms of playing wise too, you kind of just see that chemistry translate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, cause they've been doing it for a long time now. It's crazy. Most people can't do that. Yeah. 16 years or something. I mean, since they were kids. Yeah. It's wild. Yeah. Yeah. What, uh, what memories does that's where you're wrong evoke for you? I suppose that's when, uh, I first met him. So Ben and I, Ben, Ben Chapel, who, uh, we did focus creeps and did a lot of work with monkeys. Um, we first met them when they were, they were making that record. We kind of, they were doing a song a day, I remember, in the studio. Um, and I think they were tracking it in a, a sort of minimalist way with James Ford. I think they would only use eight tracks or I can't remember what it was, but then they would punch, punch in overdubs and stuff, kind of like how they would do it in the olden days. So we met them and they were really nice <clears throat> in the studio. They were really sort of hospitable when Ben and I sort of stumbled in the studio and uh, kind of took the time to sit down and talk. And then um, we showed up on the She's Thunderstorms day. And then that was kind of the first interaction with them, I guess. Um, how did you, uh, how did you link up? What was the connection? Uh, so we have worked with uh, Domino Records on some, on various other projects. Uh, our buddy Morgan, who works for Domino 
in the United States uh, just reached out and said that they wanted to capture some stuff of the guys in the studio. Yeah, so we just rolled over there, you know, just to kind of do a little sort of behind the scenes uh, capturing of stuff. And then, you know, one thing led to another and they're going to do it again another day. And then we sort of fil- started filming and taking pictures. And that was kind of a, a time when Ben and I would just kind of have a grab bag of film cameras and you know digital lo-fi cameras and point and shoot stuff just 10 cameras in a bag or something and we're just have three things dangling from our neck and we're just sort of hosing it down and that sort of led to you know brick by brick and then don't sit down and i can't even remember now it's oh uh the shallow la la one there was kind of a live thing it was just like it was just sort of we would film we would just roll around with them in la and then went over to to london and then uh sheffield and would just sort of photograph and film stuff and then would make videos with it later it's interesting you know you mentioned the idea of la and then also sheffield where they're from in these different two quite opposing locations because there's a quote from you that i really love where you've said before that you'd rather be told what the story is by the location than tell the story with a pile of props. Mm-hmm. How did you see that kind of feeding into those videos with those two opposing places? I think uh, there's always been a fun romance between LA and England. I think that they, well, at least, you know, you, you see you see this kind of funny uh, journey with, with artists where they sort of leave england for la as this sort of uh refuge but it's a funny thing to do because i mean because it's so different it's hard to know if you would like it you know and 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 for me i think i identify with that because i always um really admired a lot of artists from england you know and where does that admiration come from i wouldn't i wouldn't how would i really know that i would even like somewhere like that or idealizing a place that you've never been Something about it just sort of evokes a lot in our um, respective imaginations, I think. So I, I got a chance to you know live over there, and they got a chance to live in LA. And I think at that time in our lives, it was, it was just a funny kind of opposites attract. I guess the key word you mentioned there too is imagination, and that you kind of impart your own ideas of what it's going to be onto the place. What makes that a little bit more magical? Yeah, yeah, because you know here here's a funny sort of sobering example is that you know in my case you go to somewhere like england you go to somewhere like yorkshire you go to somewhere like um or like scotland where you think of scotland you you just bands just don't stop kind of emerging from your memory there are how how could how could a place as small as scotland creates so many kind of artistic bands you know of all kinds of genres and stuff and then and then you know you go to yorkshire or you go to scotland and sooner or later you have to admit to yourself it's it's pretty boring you know there is really there's nothing going on you know and it's it's sort of cold and boring and people are funny and nice but they're also kind of closed off too so so you start to realize you know it's all in your head all this stuff is your imagination but it's also it's also a product of that boredom, I, I would imagine, you know, if, if you get bored, you go inward and you, you sort of tell jokes and you do, you, you pick up an instrument or pick up a, a pencil or, or whatever. And, and it's just, it's one of the most inspired places creatively. 
but at the same time, you don't experience that when you're there, just sort of, you know, bumming around and doing, you know, it's, it's not, it's not like an extroverted thing. It's very internal and, you know, imaginal or something. Yeah. And I think part of it too is what we kind of started off talking about with the, you know, the notion of moving to LA. Part of it is perhaps fueled by this desire for escapism and bands trying to get out of this place. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. And what better landscape to, to put that, you know, those, you know, imaginary fantasies in LA. I mean, I, Cause you're not alone there. Every, everybody does. Everybody does it to LA. I did. I didn't, I didn't grow up in LA. So it's this, it's this funny kind of place. Like the, a lot of people say, you know, it's like the last stop on the train. It's like, if you're unsettled or you're moved by your imagination, like you don't stop until you kind of have to in LA, there's nowhere else to go. You know, you've, you've gone everywhere. So, so there you are. Do you go for it and like sort of go for the big, you know, the big thing, or there's also this really rich kind of underground artistic scene that you discover there. And, and, and LA becomes this thing that's much bigger and much more sort of multifaceted than, uh, then, then you're told as an outsider. So, and so then it's kind of, then you have to ask yourself, do I like this? Do I like what LA actually is? You know, I think, I think it's, it's not as exciting. I don't know than, than it may have been, even just 10 years ago, you know, I think, um, I think, you know, things have gone online and you can sort of, you can be creative in different ways. You don't have to like chase this, uh, this kind of narrative that's, that, that LA sort of fulfills. Yeah. I don't know if you've seen once upon a time in Hollywood, but I feel like that's the vision that we kind of still have of LA, even though that died 50 mm-hmm. years ago. Yeah, totally. That really kind of nails the sort of poles of of the light and dark of a place like L.A. You know, because when you you create so much star power, it you know it it'll inevitably create some comparable sort of underbelly of equal or greater size. You know, which which we find in the in the Manson characters. It's really a kind of point in history when you're able to see that dichotomy of the city on full view at the. the the most extreme version of it. Yeah. And you see, I mean, it's cool how the guys sort of, you saw them sort of orbit around that, that fantasy of LA because, um, they spent a lot of time there and they really sort of settled into it, but then they sort of orbited back to, of course, um, you know, so you get AM, right? So it's a big kind of public, uh, celebrated event, which was created in LA. It was kind of created. It feels like a very American record. Yeah. And then you sort of see him kind of the gravitational pull go really deep, dark back into this kind of, uh, symbolist sci-fi sort of slowed down inner, more or less like psychedelic sound of, of, um, tranquility. And it's kind of that you just, you just start to see like the extremes of what, of what they're possible or what they're capable of, but also that I would say reflects um, like anyone, anyone when they're sort of driven or sort of committed to following that fantasy, say like somebody from England would be to LA and the whole culture and the whole persona that you create with something like that. And then it sort of snaps back, taking them down deep, dark down back to, you know, the European continent, you know, it's kind of a funny it's a funny thing. And that's what we're kind of exploring in the, in the tranquility videos is like the split that happened. You know, there's this sort of 
the genuine creative inner uh, artist. And then there's, uh, then there's the kind of, who's kind of shaggy and, you know, and has a beard and stuff. And then of course the kind of built up outward facing character that's clean shaven and kind of has, you know, um, primary colors and they're very contrasted colors. Whereas the bearded ones a bit more earth tones and things like that, you know, because you kind of hanging out with them, you see the, the ability they've had to develop to be able to go back and forth, you know, kind of, and it's hard. It's not many people can do that without just burning out. Um, when it comes to those videos too, I heard that you lived in the house that four out of five was shot in for a little while too. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I was dating, uh, Grania who was, uh, family ancestry was, uh, associated with that house and still is, they still, uh, do an amazing job at, uh, you know, stewarding that property and, you know, generating interest in it. And it's such a beautiful place. It's an inspiring place. Um, Does it feel and, a little uh, time travel? Does it feel quite preserved in a different time? Yeah, that's, that's a good point. It, again, it's the, it's the, it's that tension of those kind of poles where it's like you're in the past, but you're in the present and it's just constantly pulling at you. And, for somebody like me who, you know, grew up in California, that's probably one of the newest places in the world um, in terms of uh, whatever kind of culture we live in. Of course, there, there's people that live here and have lived here for a long time um, that live differently than we do. But, you know, in the case of, you know, the culture that we live in, California is very young. There's not a lot of old buildings, let's say. Um, so you go somewhere like that and it really provokes a lot of um feelings you've never felt before and of course coincidence that is it's right next to sheffield more or less i mean it's an hour away oh, i didn't realize that actually yeah it's in yorkshire it's like it's like right next to york that was a weird point of conversation that we kept sort of going back and forth about because we didn't know if we wanted to film it there or not you know did it seem obvious did it seem like we had to do it or did it seem like like we absolutely shouldn't, you know? So we kind of kept, you know, ping-ponging uh, back and forth. I think I think that we were actually pretty decided for a while that we weren't going to. Just kind of late in the game, I think Al called it. And he's like, no, actually, we have to do it there. So that was what was fun about the tranquility stuff because it, it felt so so intuitive everything was was almost like psychic or something and you know because it, it was made by the character in the beard of course it's a very kind of otherworldly yeah yeah and sort of like primitive and you know just just sort of raw but also really elevated um and and the inspirations you know you can tell his references you never know where they're going to come from but the, he's he's such a good prism of sort of channeling references into a unified kind of confident music but in that case it was there were just these really disparate references so you had to you know you had to have faith in these kind of like psychic truths that would sort of emerge in these irrational ways whereas like you know of course am was very kind of felt more deliberate although there was there were, there are times when it, it didn't when they were making it but uh so so when he said you know we, we got to do it at the castle you know it, it was like the, a light bulb went off it was like okay this this is like a you know lily pad that we've sort of <laughs> that we've just come across in a sort of dark 
you know, lake of unknowing, you know, just kind of trusting and whatever came to us or, or through him or just through talking and stuff. It's kind of fascinating this, this line of conversation we've gone down to, because when we look at that, their kind of musical progression, you know, from suck it and see to AM to tranquility bass. Yeah, exactly. It's almost paralleled in the videos in a sense that with suck it and see, you were very much kind of just capturing the reality of, mm-hmm. of what was happening there. You know, you said filming them in the studio and stuff and on the road. Mm-hmm. And then tranquility base, you're at the complete opposite end of the spectrum where you're crafting this entire alternate world and building something. AM kind of falls yeah. between them. Is that like a line you think that we can kind of draw on your progression working with them through the three records? Yeah, I, I suppose so. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it was, it was, it was almost as if suck it and see was a, a, a sort of, you know, verite kind of just hanging out, um, documentary like period of, 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 of just sort of getting to know each other and, and sort of, um, feeling each other, feeling out each other's feelings and, and just sort of what jokes and, um, finding a rhythm of working together. Yeah. But it was very casual, you know. I, you know what, it, you know, you can almost say it's just very of the world or of, yeah, of the place or, or sort of, um, exo, like, like outside, you know, just being places, seeing things, uh, being observant, you know, and, and, and making connections, you know, just kind of free associative based on, uh, where we were, what was happening. Um, I feel like there's a more, succinct way to put this but it's you know it's like like a poet who like writes poems about like a bicycle or something you know and then everything is sort of metaphor you know based on like objects or 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 the world around you like that uh like that jim jarmusch movie Patterson. yeah exactly yeah 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 exactly that kind of attitude right kind of like poetry in the mundane or, and then, and using certain cameras that like saturate the world around you, you know, things like that kind of realism, I guess. And then AM, like we didn't do that much. We did Are You Mine? And then we did the uh, snap out of it. Um, that's the one with the, the girl in the video, isn't it? The pool. Yeah. And that's more kind of, you know, materialist feeling and stuff. Um, sort of like, like emotions are trying to like break through some materialist environment. Right. Um, and she doesn't really have the skills to do it. She's sort of falling apart because something's sort of emerging that wants to be seen or like a, a regret or a, or a something unresolved. But it's like, you know, when you live in a materialist place like LA, you don't really have the tools to just sort of bring your feelings into your, into your uh everyday life because sometimes your feelings don't agree with how you're living your life or something you know so then of course with tranquility then we go deep down into the world of feelings and just like images and sort of symbolism you know and that's hard you know and i'll I'll admit i'm not the best at i'm not the most skilled to do that you know it takes a lot of extra work for me whereas some other people just kind of it comes to them and they don't doubt the imagery they don't uh, hesitate to sort of integrate it into a larger narrative. Whereas for me, that kind of stuff's not easy, you know, it's kind of like painful. <laughs> Do you sculpt a lot of the, the editing that? process? Yeah. I mean, editing's a, editing's a bizarre tool. I've always said, you know, especially with stuff like that, like the editor is sort of like the talk therapist and you're sort of sitting on the couch and eventually like laying down so stressed out that like you didn't get enough of this or you didn't 
you should have done this and like now it's too late and what have I done and this isn't going to work. And then the editor sort of reveals some, you know, connection within the imagery that, you know, is kind of cooler than what you would have ever thought of in the first place. And it's all about context. Yeah. You just sit bolt right up, like just exhilarated and ready to face the world again. It's pretty cool. The editing process is, is pretty magical, really. I mean, it's like sorcery. Yeah, just kind of watching. I mean, I imagine particularly on something like Suck It and See when you're kind of just capturing what's happening in front of you. When you see that yeah. kind of take shape in a narrative sense with the way that some of those videos do come together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally, totally. I mean, it's a really, it's a really uh, unsettling and, and exciting thing to just sort of rearrange time at your own, at your own kind of will or uh, sort of you know, caprice or something. It's just like, you're like, Oh, I'm going to move this thing that happened later in the beginning, just cause I can, you know, and you can't do that in life. <laughs> <laughs> well, sculpting in time, it was what Tarkovsky called, I think, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, a, it's, it's quite a thing. I'm intrigued just to, to kind of a couple more to wrap us up. What, um, mm-hmm. what techniques do you think can you use to kind of unlock or unveil the world of a song and the world of a music video when you're in that stage of trying to, of trying to figure it out that's a good question uh i think the way and this is a personal answer i've always had the most fulfilling uh experiences when i can just work directly with the artist uh that's not something that happens all the time i mean and even just a phone call if you could kind of hear hear where where the song came from it's kind of like you're you're sort of yeah sculpting you kind of but you're, you're it's almost like where did the idea come from for the song and then you're sort of stepping into this sort of uh stream i guess you know of, of uh of some kind of muse you're trying to do that that thing justice you know so if you can hear from the artist like what how it how it found them you know through their personal experiences or through something that inspired them that explicitly remember um then you start sort of free associating through you know imagery usually it provokes something between the two people or whoever's talking on the phone or in the room and you you kind of start going you know i don't think it's ever i don't think it's ever not worked but that's also not how the music video industry is really set up right now usually they'll send out a a brief and stuff and then um then you got to write a treatment and those kind of you know those kind of fall flat because it's kind of like a lot of me and like some random idea but that might have struck me at that time when the song arrived in the inbox but um i think the best stuff comes when when a label or management or something will will get the artist to to uh, to talk to you know the creatives about what the song's about you know how has the common language that you share with our monkeys and the way that you communicate with them changed over the course of the last 10 years i'm it's it it hasn't it hasn't i mean they're we're still the same people i think i think being that we're not around each other as much the that sort of intimate humor has has uh withered but i i, I in no way do I imagine that it's, you know, not possible to, you know, recapture. But I think in place of that, when we do hang out there, there is a kind of a, a depth that we can 
kind of explore if if and when it's about you know creative stuff but otherwise i don't know there's just so many lanes of of shared interests that we've sort of established over over time whether it's cameras of course you know i mean cameras alone have been such a big thing because they've you know on their own in their own way become users and collectors of of, of cameras um but but then music is always a, one of a, a way of you know kind of exploring exploring things and then f- movies um just just you know music cameras and movies and instruments is kind of enough to go to go on for a while. Yeah.